You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about short fiction and interviewing author Amal El-Motar. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I am reading The City of Brass. Oh! By S.A. Chakraborty. It's a gin book. A gin book. D-J-I-N-N. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, you know what's weird is that I keep doing that too, where I'm like, it's about Jen, and people are like, who's that? And like, because people think I'm saying J E N, like Jen, like Jen, my friend Jen. My, I'm reading a book all about my friend Jen. It's like about you know Jen, Jen, Jen Aniston. The, Jen, there could be a Jen named Jen. They their names are never Jen. <laughs> <laughs> their That's names the rule are rule of Jen. Their, their names, names are they never cannot Jen. be Jen. You cannot. All, the only rule about being a Jen is you cannot be named Jen. That is that so is the one rule. No, actually, let me tell you, in City of Brass, there's a lot of rules about being a Jen. Oh, so many rules. Um, it is a I I really wanted an escape a, a book to escape into, and this is a great one. And it's basically I'm only I'm maybe about a third of the way through it, but it is about basically um. A world in which there's a lot of gen. We, and we call them, we a lot of times call them genies, but maybe yeah. we don't say that anymore. No. Is that not a cool thing to say? Yeah, I think it's a mispronunciation of gin. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, so when I was a kid, we called them like genies. But yeah. this is like a very different. This, is not, this not, is not Robin Williams and Aladdin here. Yeah, and they're not like living in some sort of like lamp that you rub. <laughs> Although they can be enslaved. And Ooh. this is about one that ens- was enslaved. And then this girl who's kind of like a street hustler, and it fr- turns out she's like half Jen, and she didn't didn't really know, but she could heal herself. So like, how did she not know? Goodness, I feel like if you grew up being able to heal yourself, like there might be like some indication that something's a little different yeah. about you. Yeah, and she can also see into people and see like what's wrong with them. So like, she would be like, oh, she's like there's a my lady. there's my aunt, and I can tell that she has like a tumor growing in her chest or something. Oh, like wow. she can so like she's see. like one of those cancer sniffing dogs. She's like a cancer sniffing dog, <laughs> but just technically just half Jen. And then they go and then they go into the world of Jen and all the things that unfold within that. And there's a lot of drama between all of the various kinds of Jen. It's a very complicated wow, book. It's yeah. very world buildy, but I'm I'm but super into, into it. Oh, I love a world. I love when someone builds a world that I can escape into. Pretty sweet. I, I would definitely recommend it so far to anyone who is into it. And now I, I just got like two more gin books from the library and was like, I guess this is what I'm doing for the wow, next. Wow, I guess we just found a new part of Bria's wheelhouse <laughs> gin. What are you reading, Mallory? I am reading The Misfit Manifesto by Lydia Yukinovich. I don't know it. Lydia Yukinovich is one of my favorite uh, feminist writers. She also does fiction, but I she has like she's just like such an amazing kick-ass lady. And she did a TED Talk uh, last year or the year before all about being a misfit and like being a weird person and like how to embrace that and like use that as a good thing for you to like go and like be successful in business and your artistic endeavors and like do it just embrace being a weirdo, which is something that I work very hard at. <laughs> so it's like this book is sort of it's the, like the novelization, not novelization, but it's like a book version of her that TED Talk. Oh, that's cool. I should read that. You that should. sounds really she's good. A, she's really amazing. Um, speaking of your misfittery, did you see someone wrote on – I who tweeted something you tweeted, and I guess there's a photo of us where it looks like your arm is my arm, and someone was like, whoa, when did Bria get all of those tattoos? <laughs> <laughs> like, suddenly I literally, like, got – 
was like I went and got like 45 <laughs> tattoos on one arm. Like, like it was so crazy. <laughs> Bria sat for a five out five five, week, five yeah. week session. I know. That's amazing. Oh, that, I know what photo it is because one Alan had us link arms in one of the oh, photos. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, yeah. I'm Bria got really pale and tattooy. That's amazing. <laughs> it's funny because I'm getting a new book tattoo next week. Mm, what is it of? Uh, Ira Burnison from The Golden Compass on my right hand. Oh, pretty good. I'm pretty excited about it. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback from our indie bookstore episode. Madeline wrote in, I'm usually an e-reader like Bria because I love being able to search and annotate my books and I am a student and I don't want to carry around any more weight than necessary. However, I'm lucky that my small city has three, in bold, three amazing independent bookstores within walking distance. That's fucking amazing. I've always had a hard time reconciling my desire to support indie bookstores with my love of e-reading, but I always try to have one paper book on my reading list. My current pick is Carmen Maria Machado's Her Body and Other Parts which was amazing it's an amazing book and i was proud to support machado in my local indie bookstore when i bought it shout out to indigo bridge books because it's been such a buzzy book i enjoy having the cover on display when i'm reading i feel cool and people seem much more likely to ask about what i'm reading when they see the cover which i like when i'm reading a book i want to talk about yeah you know what? that's actually a really good point as an e-reader people don't talk to you much about what you're reading i kind of love the idea of a book as a fashion statement like like you're like cool you're like accessory. listen this is who i'm reading this season oh my god <laughs> can we make that a thing because that's pretty who are you cool. reading this season of like five million people and then and then it's and then you read like the cool author that's writing like cool progressive art and it would be a good motivation for to have really nice looking book covers maybe that's our next toe who are you reading this season oh i actually i really like that so Kyle wrote in and said, I want to tell you the story of my FLBS, or independent bookstore if you prefer. It's called One More Page Books in Arlington, Virginia. I was just there this weekend looking for gifts for my dad. I went in and said, he's read everything by an author I'm not familiar with. I'm looking for other similar authors. The owner and staff member talked it over and excitedly brought me book after book and talked about the similarities and differences of each until I settled on a few. They're super friendly, host several book clubs, and have colorful little notes sticking out on top of books they especially like. Oh, and Malia, Sash, and President Obama shopped there on Small Business Saturday in 2012. Pretty cool. Their book buyer describes herself as a non-recovering, non-apologetic book hoarder whose job at OMP is actually an enabling device to support her unhealthy relationship with books. She spends most of her time trying to defy the laws of physics in order to fit all of her books in one room, which makes me wonder if she's actually Mallory living a double life. I can neither confirm nor deny this. <laughs> Maybe you work at a bookstore in Arlington, Virginia. I mean, I don't sleep. I've got the time. Well, try, you travel there once a, every, night. <laughs> every night. You're like Santa, <laughs> where you can, you, your ability is not to go to every child's uh, house to go at to night. You, every, you go to every bookstore at night, like, because you have endless amount of time. And, and be the book buyer for them. <laughs> that actually sounds pretty fucking great. So you can email us your feedback at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember that you can buy reading glasses, totes, and bookmarks in the fa- Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. So if you want to s- show your support and uh, look at some cool reading glasses stuff that you can buy and wear around and, you know, attract sexy people with, you can uh, check it out. And before we talk about short fiction, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part by Squarespace. Here's the things that you can do with Squarespace. You can create a beautiful website to showcase your work, blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds. Yeah, we both use Squarespace for our personal websites. Yep. I get compliments on mine. An acting teacher even reached out to me and said, 
does your website? And I was like, me on Squarespace. No, seriously, I am so bad with tech stuff. I don't. I'm she still, is, guys. I'll let you know right now. Yep, <laughs> I am still learning how to use the microwave. <laughs> but I did my whole Squarespace website myself, and I'm not going to lie. I think it looks pretty pretty freaking sweet. You can go to BriaGrant.com or MalloryOmera.com. And Squarespace does all of this by giving you beautiful mobile optimized templates created by world-class designers, built-in search en- engine optimization and powerful analytics, and 24-7 award-winning customer support. I will say their customer support is amazing. They have um, a chat room that you can go in and just they can chat with you and figure things out for you, or they get back to you like really fast via email. It's a really amazing customer support. So if you have a website and you're like us and you have a little bit of trouble getting things done or figuring things out, they are very, very good at helping you out. So head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code GLASSES to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, enter code GLASSES. I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together, we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like, why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about bugs. No, we don't. Nope. <laughs> Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager. And I'm I was two butts, 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 butts. This week is all about short fiction. When people think about books, they're usually thinking about novels. But short stories are a really important part of the literary world and can be an amazing piece of your reading life. But where do you start? Hey, Mallory, do you know the story of Ernest Hemingway and his short story? Yes, it's very sad. Okay, can I tell it to you anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there was a bet that he could write a six-word short story and make somebody cry, make people cry with his short story. Do you know, and you know it? Well, yeah, but you say it. Okay, he wrote, he wrote, for sale, baby shoes never worn, which is really super sad. It's super sad. It also can't really be confirmed or denied, uh, but it is a short story, which qualifies as a short story because it has a beginning a middle and an end which is sort of like the qualifications for a short story i wonder if someone could all right reading glasses listeners we're challenging you to write an even shorter story than ernest hemingway five words five words maximum five words and it has to make us cry it has to (laughs) you know what that would be really impressive (laughs) you know what someone's gonna write and they're gonna be like it's just gonna say mallory comma no more books I did it in four. I did it in four. (laughs) Mallory has no more books. Okay. Mallory has no more books. That's five. Oh, no. It's pretty good. Oh, that's terrible. So if you don't read short stories, why should you bother? Uh, Because they're amazing. Uh, they're uh, I like short stories because they're great when you're stressed out. Maybe you're going through a difficult time, you're on a crazy work schedule, or you just had a baby. Maybe you had two babies. A collection of short stories is excellent because you can focus on, well, just a short story instead of keeping like a whole world's or a whole novel's worth of characters and world building in your head. Yeah, when I'm working a lot, they're really great when I have just like a little bit of downtime because a lot of times I'm working right up in time until I basically get in bed. And then I don't have to keep a huge world-building universe in my brain. And I am going to fall asleep within 10 minutes of reading. So I know I have to, like, get in there, 
get a little bit of reading done and then fall asleep because I'm going to fall asleep with my face in a book. So short stories are really my go-to when I'm working all the time. They're also great to help uh, you cut back uh, with fucking around on the internet. I love this. So if, if you feel like you're wasting time refreshing your Twitter feed or your Instagram feed, try reading a short story online instead. Like you're still connected to that wonderful screen, but reading a great piece of fiction instead of some cat memes. Not that cat memes don't have their place. But Are cat memes considered short stories? <laughs> Someone combined. If they have a beginning and a middle and an end, then Someone a cat meme. A short story about cat memes. And maybe oh, there is a really good short story about cat memes called Send Cat Pictures, Please. Oh, wow. And it's from the internet, and is it's it, great. Is it how you and John met? Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you're going to be in the bathroom for a long time. Maybe you're stuck in line at the post office with another book. Read I feel a like we just got to, like, inside it. Why are you in the bathroom for Can we I talk about that? I never am, but I know some people, like, they're poop readers. And, you know, you go, like, instead of looking on your Instagram, you know, too, read a short story instead. Too blue. Move on. <laughs> so, so, but where do you find them? So if you're going to do, like, one short story at a time, like you're in line or something, there are a lot of excellent online places that put out short stories. Our friends over at Tor.com always publish amazing genre ones. Uh, the New Yorker, The Atlantic, a lot of major sites put out short stories, uh, all the way down to smaller sites like The Rumpus. Uh, don't forget that we write a column for a short story magazine called Apex Magazine. Hell yeah. Shout out to Jason over at Apex. And also for e-readers, you can check out Kindle Singles. There are short stories or novellas selected by Amazon's editors, and they're pretty great. Awesome. Anthologies are also a good place to start if you don't know which author to start with. Every year, the big publisher, HMH, puts out the Best American series, and there's always a book of the Best American short stories. And a lot of bookstores will have an anthology area right before or after their literary fiction section. Do they put out the sci-fi one, too? Yep, Best American sci-fi. That's on, like... On people's best of years, that's best of the year. It's always on people's best yeah. of. So, like that's the it that literally is the best American. Like yeah, it literally, it's the best of of the best of. So they have a new editor every year that curates like I don't, I don't know how many, but there's a bunch of short stories. It's a great place to start, and there are tons and tons of themed short story collections. Like instead of just like ooh the best ones, there are ones that are like general. Like it's all erotic stories, it's all horror stories, it's all noir stories, or some of them are really specific. Uh, there's one that came out uh, either a year last year or the year before it's all just like uh, it was, it was uh, edited by uh, Ellen Datlow who is like one of the best genre editors ever uh, it was all about creepy dolls just oh like a my. whole book about stories about creepy dolls wow uh, stories about dogs you think there'd be some overlap in the creepy doll writing universe like if I wrote a creepy doll story and you wrote a creepy doll story I feel like we would they would oh wait creepy. did she edited it or she wrote yeah, them all she edited it yeah, I so feel like, like we would end up writing writing creepy doll stories. I feel like there'd be too much. There'd be a lot of overlap. Well, we got maybe we should read it and find out. Where's yours from? Yeah, <laughs> where like mine would be like I mean like mine would be from a garage sale. Someone else is gonna be from a garage sale. Yeah, but you know maybe it could be us. Yeah. Garage, I don't know. A garage sale in Japan or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're right. Yeah. I guess it could be. I good. honestly have no idea. <laughs> creepy dolls really scare me, so I try to not ever think about them. What do you think is gonna happen? There's something about, I don't know, I dolls are just, they're porcelain, they're cold. They're cold? <laughs> they're what if it was a doll in Iceland and it's covered in ice? Oh, that's, a, see, there you go. You just wrote <laughs> a creepy doll story. Hire creepy me doll, for your next creepy doll story. <laughs> Ellen Datlow, get at us. So, Bria, do you read short stories? Yeah, I do, but it actually is pretty rare. Um, I'm more likely to pick up a straight-up novella than a short story collection. I think because a short story collection, I do feel kind of the same way about short stories as I do about short films. Like I like going to see short film uh, short film programming at film festivals because I'm like, well, 
it's not very good. It's going to be over in five minutes. Yeah. You know, as opposed <laughs> to like, when I go sit in a movie, I'm like, oh no, like this is an I'm awful movie. I'm for two hours. <laughs> oh no, like I made a poor choice. But for the short story, I feel like I can like skip around. Yeah. But I do skip around within the, sh- like if I'm start reading one, I'm like, not that into this one. I will yeah. move on to the next oh, one totally. for sure. It's like a box of chocolates. Life is like a box of chocolates. You can throw away the shit you don't like. Short stories are like a box of chocolates. Yep. Some are full of creepy dolls. And some <laughs> <laughs> what if a box of chocolates you open it up and inside is a doll <gasps> or a of bunch like of a tiny ones in little plastic slots <laughs> oh that's really scary I was thinking like it's a doll covered in caramel Ooh, gross alright what about you do you <laughs> love short stories all sticky. Yeah. Uh, I love short story collections but I, I usually prefer the ones that are by one author uh, so whenever I get into a new author I'll check to see if they've released any you know short story collections um, I love short story collections for purse books mm. aka books that I keep in my giant tote bag that's also filled with crumpled receipts and old lip balm that way, if there's like long intervals where I don't get the chance to read, I don't leave the house that much. Hey, uh, I could just read a short story at a time, and I won't risk forgetting like what's going on in like a whole novel. Yeah. Do you have any favorite short story writers? You know, this year I haven't read that many. I went and looked back. Um, I did read a great one by Will Wheaton. Yes, that Will Wheaton called Dead Trees. Are Give. there other Will Wheatons? <laughs> I think that's only Will one. Wheaton. Will Wheaton, the guy who works at the post office down the street. Uh, <laughs> Old postal he's Will. Good, he's real good at uh, packing up a post <laughs> office box, sending it first class mail. Gives you a good deal. Um, yeah, Will Wheaton wrote a book called Dead Trees Give No Shelter which I think I read this year, and it was really good. It's, I just bought it on my Kindle, and it was great. And it's a little short story that he wrote, and it's awesome. real awesome. Um, but I tend to go for authors who I already know. Yeah. So Neil Gaiman has a short story collection that I like. Octavia Butler has one called Blood Child that I like think about all the time because I love Octavia Butler, but it's just like a really good sci-fi short story collection. So those are the ones I tend to go towards. I will occasionally pick up, like, one that's, like, an author I haven't heard of, and they mostly do short stories. But this year's been kind of a slow year for short stories for me. You mm. gave me a book that I started reading last night because yes. of our book tech Woo. Um, oh that so I will I, we'll get to in a minute. But it is a hard copy book, and so I was like, oh, I should try this book tech out. Anyway, uh, but I was Kelly. mention that because that book is by Kelly Link. And that's your favorite? She's my favorite, favorite, favorite. Oh, nice. Uh, I think she is the heir to Ray Bradbury's short story writer through, and I honest to God think she's the greatest living short story writer. Oh, wow. She's just like all of Kelly. Uh, oh, Ke- <laughs> she's amazing. Raise I, the roof for Kelly. She's <laughs> just like, her stories are this like amazing blend of like sci-fi, fantasy, horror, weirdness, and I'm, I'm a wicked sucker for collections of weird stories, so I love... Uh, Karen Russell, Helen Oyeyemi, mm-hmm. uh, Yoko Ogawa, Amelia Gray. Like, I love just collections of when weird stuff happens. I can't get enough of it, and Kelly Link is the queen of that. Uh, and short stories are generally easier to both write and sell, so that's where a lot of authors start. And this makes um, publications that put out short stories an awesome place to find new writers to look out for. Like, if you're looking for, like, brand new hot talent you know, to get ahead of the curve, like short stories are a really great place to go for, to look for that. You can send your thoughts on short stories to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. Before we talk to uh, a Hugo award winning author, Amal El Motar, we're going to take a short break. Hi there. I'm film critic, April Wolf and host of the maximum fun podcast, switchblade sisters. Do you love genre films? Do you love female filmmakers? Do you love discussions on craft? If your answer is yes, you'll love switchblade sisters. 
Every episode, I invite one female filmmaker on, and we talk in-depth about their fave genre film and how it influenced their own work. So we're talking horror, action, sci-fi, fantasy, bizarro, and exploitation cinema. Mothers, lock up your sons, because the Switchblade sisters are coming for you. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you find your podcasts. So we are here with Hugo Nebula and Locus Award-winning short story author Amal El-Motar. Amal, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. What are you reading right now? Oh, what a good question. I'm reading, in fact, uh, Joe Walton's collection Starlings, uh, which is a collection of short fiction and poetry and sort of like little short essays after each piece. And it's really charming because she keeps on arguing that the stories are not actually stories, that they're kind of extended poems. Uh, And it's just delightful because one of the features of Joe Walton's work that I really love is that I always want to argue with her books. So in this case, she's kind of like preemptively (laughs) arguing with me about whether or not her her works are short stories, in fact. Uh, So it's really quite delightful. Actually, that gets into our next question, which is, do you read a lot of short stories? So I've been reading a lot fewer short stories in the last couple of years because I uh, I started reviewing books <laughs> for uh, for NPR and uh, and recently for the New York Times. So uh, the sh- I, I've shifted from I used to have a, a short story review column. Um, which is just kind of dormant. And I keep telling myself I'm going to reactivate it on tour.com. And it was called Rich and Strange. So like there was a while, probably between 2011 and 2014, when I was reading like almost exclusively short fiction. Um, And uh, just because that's what I had time to do because I was in the thick of of doing a PhD. And so the only stuff that I, I felt like I could read that was outside of reading for the dissertation was short stuff. So, um, so I had my go-to venues like uh, Strange Horizons and Lightspeed and Clark's World and Apex and, and a few others. Um, and, uh, and mostly short fiction and poetry is, is what I read to kind of turn my brain off for a while. Uh, but then once I got, like, once I started earning like a third of my income from reviewing books, the, the time just fell away. Um, so now most of the short fiction that I read is like at novelette or novella length, because those are now being published as books, uh, as like standalone things that you can purchase with a spine uh, and stuff. So that's like fair game for me to review. So I've been reading a lot more of those than I have short stories at the length that I actually write in. Um, so most of the short stories that I write are, you know, between three and 6,000 words. Uh, and that's been the length that I've just kind of been sadly neglecting for the last couple of years. So do you have some favorite short story writers? Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Um, my, I, I can literally name my top three. <laughs> um, oh, please go for it. Yeah, so, and, and in no order, um, because I just, they're like this kind of triptych in my head of, astonishing women who write absolutely brilliant short stories. And they are Sophia Samatar, Carmen Maria Mikado, and Maria Devana Headley. Um, and they just, like, they, their stories are all very different from each other, but they, like, they, they feed the same part of my soul, I think. They tend to write stuff that is extremely evocative, very um, genre savvy and very uh, playing with different genres and with a kind of awareness of genre um, in very, very beautiful language uh, that 
that is this like a mode of composition basically and they just and they kind of just expand your brain as you're reading them like they're not they're not comfort reads they're not um they're they're, they're really the kind of reads where you feel like someone is is kind of dragging you by the wrist through a thorny forest sometimes with a great sense of urgency um and but it's beautiful and intense and wonderful cool so speaking of authors you love is there a particular subject that makes you want to pick up a collection of short stories there's some is there something you're drawn to that's a really good question um i'm often drawn uh two authors whose work i've read before um but if a collection has anything in it about language or voices or um borders or transformations i think i'm i'm more likely to want to pick that up or if it has you know any organizing principle that appeals to me like um christopher rowe had a collection come out last year i think called um i think it's called telling the map uh and I like maps, <laughs> um, but also uh, Christopher Rowe, who is a delightful human. Um, it, it, like he, he, I was talking to him once at a con and he, he gave me this kind of wonderful uh, insight into short story collections. He was like, I, I just feel like a short story collection needs to have an, a, a coherent aesthetic argument. And I was like, wow, that makes so much sense. And it was just like those, those three words in that sequence, I'd never particularly thought of for short story collections before. And I just loved that way of putting it. So another question just about your work, you say that you generally write things between three and 6,000 words. Is there a reason you're drawn to that particular length? Um, I think I've just, I've always had difficulty writing long. Um, and I, and I, this is like dogged me throughout academia and stuff as well, where, you know, if there was ever an essay, uh, rubric that required you to write between eight and 10 pages, I'd write like seven and a half. Um, but it's, and I think, um, you know, I'd like to think it's just because I'm very concise. Yeah. You get uh, points. No one would ever think if they ever like had a conversation with me, right? Because I, <laughs> I will ramble for days about things that I am interested in. I'm, I'm increasingly writing longer and longer. Uh, like I, I genuinely feels like I'm working my way up to that novel length stuff. I just, um, I just wrote a novella. Which I just wrote like no, like in 2016. I wrote a novella with Max Gladstone. Um, so I've gotten up to like half a novella length. Um, so I think in, in general, in the past, it was probably partly to do with the fact that I was writing a lot more poetry than short fiction. So I think that my my storytelling impulse for a long time was a kind of um, dense, affect-heavy one, uh, and that that tends to not be... It tends not to lend itself to very long pieces. And I think, too, a lot of the short stories that I've written have been kind of assemblages of fragments. Um, so, like, there'll be, like, something like, um, I have a story called The Truth About Owls, uh, which is, uh, like, kind of got little bits of journal entry, uh, head, uh, like, bookending different sections, or... Um, Another story called the, the Lonely Sea in the Sky is also kind of told in, in fragments. And I have reasons for why that is, like why this story is better told in fragments and stuff. But uh, by and large, I think that that I'm drawn to that kind of um, here is a scene, here is another scene. And like the, the distance between the scenes 
are a, a part of the storytelling. So just that, that kind of being drawn to a disjointed thing and stuff uh, and, and trying to tell things that are whole because they are broken is, is probably part of the reason I tend to skew shorter. And actually, like, the things that I had published in 2017 are all super short. Um, and they're, they're super short in part because it was a hard year for writing. Um, and it was a hard year for putting things in fiction that you didn't just want to outright say to people. <laughs> um, so I, I ended up having like uh, a very short piece in a collection called The Gin Falls in Love and Other Stories. Um, and oh, yeah. Rhea's having a big gin year. I'm having a big gin oh. moment right now. <laughs> yeah. Have you read that collection? I haven't, but I saw it on your, uh, when I was looking you up and then, and I, I ordered it from the library. <laughs> Excellent. No, that's fantastic. It's, uh, it, it's, it's such a beautifully curated collection. It's like, it's very international. I haven't read the whole thing myself yet, but it's, uh, my, my piece in it is very short. It's called, um, like it's, it's one of those long title, short, short story things. <laughs> so, uh, it's called a tale of ash and seven birds. And again, it's got this kind of like, like snippet structure where like it's it's about immigration and refugees and borders and it's told through the medium of like seven different transformations into birds um and uh so like you know there's there's a set form and then each of those little bits of of birdness uh, are just not very long there it is like some people who read it call it a prose poem um i I think of it as a fable and stuff, but, uh, so that was one of them. The other one was, um, uh, it's called Anabasis and it came out on tour.com as part of their, um, nevertheless, she persisted series, uh, which is like a, a collection of flash pieces in which they just asked a bunch of women to write something on that theme. And that one's like almost a personal essay kind of thing. And it's just like borders have been much on my mind lately. And, uh, so, so I think that that, that definitely comes out in my, in my short fiction too. Like just writing a straightforward uh, story in third person limited uh, in past tense has been a weirdly elusive thing for me. I really liked that piece you did for, for tour.com for the nevertheless, she persisted. People should check that out. It's a really cool, cool thing. And then you're, and you're, the thing you wrote is really cool too. Thank you. Okay, we'll link to that in the show notes. So is there a book that you like to gift to people? Oh, Absolutely. Um, it's yes. <laughs> the first thing I thought of, uh, when you asked me that before was, um, it's, it's a book called Travel Light by Naomi Mitchison. Um, and it was given to me by my friend, Karen Meissner. Uh, and it's a very small book. Um, and it was written, I think it must've been written in like 1951 or something like that. Um, Naomi Mitchison is this like absolutely tremendous woman. She lived this incredible life. She wrote over 90 books um, and in widely different genres. Uh, and she was also like a first reader of um, Lord of the Rings. She was friends with Tolkien, you know, all sorts of stuff that mean that she should be in like, you know, SF halls of fame and stuff. And she's not, and it infuriates me because she's incredible. This book, Travel Light, um, sounds like a self-help book uh, and at first I thought that's what it was like that Karen was giving me giving me this book that was like travel light you know try to be less burdened in your soul or something I was very burdened in my soul at the time so it, <laughs> yes. um but it's this 
stunningly beautiful fable about a girl who is um, like, like as a baby abandoned on a mountainside. She's a king's daughter abandoned on a mountainside and she gets adopted by bears. And then at some point the bears don't feel they can look after her anymore. So she's given over to dragons. And then she learns all these dragonish ways. And then she has to leave the dragons and she becomes like, um, uh, she, she's given this, this special cloak by like, Odin uh and uh and and with the exhortation that you know it will protect her so long as she travels light so long as she like embraces a, a traveler's lifestyle mm-hmm. um and uh and then the second half of the book is super different like super super different the first part is very kind of folktale fable mythic stuff and the second part takes place in Constantinople um and it feels like this just complete transformation of the themes of the first part of the book oh my god i have to read this book like right now yeah. it just sounds am- it, like this just everything you're saying about it sounds amazing <laughs> and it's so short it's so short it's, oh, it's really? barely even novella length it's it's so tiny and i love it so where can you find you online you can find me online at my website uh which is amalalmohtar.com um or on twitter at tithanai um and it's possible I may be launching some uh, new sort of subscription-based thing soon. So if you uh, join my newsletter via that like obnoxious pop-up that I still need to figure out how to change uh, when you go to my website, uh, that would be great because then you will have all sorts of information as it happens immediately. Now it's time to look at some book tech where we test out advances in bookish technology. And this week, a very excellent listener. And remember, if you guys want us to shout your name out on the show, please let us know. Otherwise, we're going to protect your privacy. Um, Sent us a gift from our Amazon wishlist, which we always link to in the show notes, because she wanted to solve Bria's problem of a reading light that was too bright. Too bright. That last one was too bright. (laughs) So (laughs) this one is the Noctul LED reading light. But the the magic part of this is... I'm, I'm so excited about this. I can't even stand it. So instead of clipping onto the book, it clips onto your glasses. It's pretty great. And it's rechargeable. Bria, what'd you think? Is it recharged with like a, just like a little USB cord? thing? Cord? Yeah, I have okay. it. Um, um, oh, is yeah. it too bright? What do you think, Bria? No, it was not too bright. Yay! Um, it was, the issue. I really, it, I, I really enjoyed this. It is very strange because it's like, oh, like, what do you call it if you were like a spelunker? A minor and, helmet. Yeah, it's like a minor helmet, but on the side of your face. Yeah. Right? So it's like if, yeah, you were exploring the deep underground and you had a, like a spelunking helmet on. There, yeah. There has to be like an, do you call that a minor headlamp. helmet? A headlamp. It's like having a headlamp, but for a book and much smaller. An island. Like, it's like literally like two inches long. It's like yeah, a little, it looks tiny. like a, a Bluetooth thing yeah remember those like, bluetooth things you used to put in your ears and yeah. only assholes walked around with them all in the ears Talking all the time, all the time like, they're like yeah. they're like buy sell sell high buy low <laughs> <laughs> but it's not even on <laughs> fire him fire him uh yeah it looks like that uh, <laughs> i, I wanted to see a montage of priya being like a <laughs> no. high-powered business lady fire him and fire buy, her buy, sell sell uh, i don't know uh i don't know what business people do <laughs> um Here's the one issue, though. It does clip to glasses. Yes. Well, I'm going to talk. Yeah, that's my issue with it. Well, okay. Okay. Go ahead, because I did come up with the solution to this. Because oh. I do wear glasses. I wear contact lenses, so I wear glasses at night. But I don't wear them to read. 
because yeah. I, you're like that's me, where hot, we can both see that's up That's our close. hot secret is that we're, neither of us need reading glasses. We're nearsighted. We're so nearsighted. we, I don't only, I'm, I prefer the term book sighted. Book sighted? I can only read. That's the only, my body is evolving to only read. <laughs> I am, I am like the Terminator sent back in time to only read books. But I hate my glasses. I only use them for emergencies. I like literally, because they slipped out there's my face. There's a flood. Grab my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> well, I keep them next because there's an, er- guess in my bed because there's an earthquake. That's, that's my true. biggest fear in life. Won't so they I fall always off sleep if the there's an earthquake. <laughs> Wait, whoa, are you serious? I always sleep. Wait, what? <laughs> Not like jeans. <laughs> like I just don't sleep naked. But you, know, I love that you're like topless, but just pants. No, no, I am just, sometimes am topless. It's just, pants. <laughs> but I will not. No way. You will there's never a, catch me running out of the house news, an without an earth, any pants on. There's an earthquake, and there's a topless woman wearing only a pair of pants and yes. glasses running. It's around. really true. I'm really scared of there being an earthquake, and then I have to run out of the house, and I have on no pants. <laughs> that is my ultimate fear. What about shoes? Shoes, not worried about. I go around without <laughs> shoes all the time. And topless. I'm not. Bringers earthquake contingency plan. <laughs> okay, what did you think about the uh, what was this called again? The Noctul. Noctul LED German, reading light. What did you think? I fucking love this thing. So hands down. I know you were really like honestly, you got to bring this back today. I know. I you was, were like you got to Jones- make sure you bring that light back. I was jonesing for it last night. So I, I hands down, this is the best reading light I have ever used. It was great brightness, uh, easy to use, and the thing that I really love is my fucking cats couldn't get at it or flop in front of it. When I use the one that clips onto my book, my kitten Lula. Is just like she crawls onto the book and starts batting at it and if I stop her from doing that then she like starts rubbing her head on it and it's just really what is she that instinct with cats where they're like there's something to bat I must bat it it's I must bat whatever that is fucking annoying um, so I would give this five out of five phages but so my thing about it is that you have you can't use it unless you have uh, you, the weird thing about this is that you have a hard time using it if you don't wear glasses no this is not true though so all right I'm very, I'm very intrigued because actually we tried to problem solve this. My friend Zine, cl- like she clipped it to her like hair. That's what I did. I clipped it to my because I don't wear glasses, so I clipped you it used to it like my a hair. Barrette? Yeah, like a barrette, like on the side. Now, if you had really short hair, it wouldn't work. And but you, I mean, any length of hair as long as it's over like maybe an inch, inch and a half. But I clipped it to my hair on the side of my head. Was it uncomfortable? No, because that's the good thing about this is it's wicked light. Yeah, it's really light. I, you hardly notice it. Now, if you like, t- if you read like a cartoon character where you like swing your head back and forth <laughs> when you're reading, like, you know, you're like, like you're eating a cord like, of cough. Yeah, like a, a cord, cord of cough. Yeah, yeah, like a, a cord of cough. Cob. Or like you're writing, like I feel like, you know, Kermit the Frog, like typing on a typewriter where he's like, da, 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 and like, he, like he's going back and forth. That would be a problem because it would swing around. But literally, my fiance came in, I was reading, and he was, he like looked at it and like shook his head, but I, he, he did not even say anything that judgmental. But John, what, he has a shave, the size of his head are shaved. How would he use it? Oh, I don't know. He was just looking at me, reading with it attached to my hair. I guess you could clip it, it to like your strange. collar. Oh, collar. That could work. But then, what I liked about it you is can adjust, wherever. Like it has a little swivelly dowel thing so you can adjust where it's pointing. Because here's the thing. The reason why it's not so bright is because it's like directional a yeah. little bit. So it only really lights up like maybe a half of a page really bright and the rest of it's kind of a little bit darker. And like and so if it's so what I liked about it being next to my eye like is that I could just literally like whatever I moved my face down. It moved. Yeah, with I know. Me. It's amazing. It's oh. a really smart invention. Yeah. Actually, Siri, I am so obsessed with this. Honestly, thank you, listener that sent us because it is you have greatly enriched my life. <laughs> <laughs> literally, Mallory, Mallory did not want to do without this thing. I love this so much. So if you want us to test out some book tech for the show, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. 
So if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us. It helps us reach more readers, and it makes me really happy. Uh, Reading Glasses is pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go to g-r-e-t-t-a dot com slash reading underscore glasses to read and turn your favorite reading glasses moments into clips that you can share out on social media. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglasses. Thanks for listening, and And thanks thanks for for reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.